That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. David Miller, ND here with Michelle Pobega, doctor of naturopathic medicine. Correct. Thank you yes. for all the accredi- accreditation. Is that the, is that a right? proper accreditation? I don't know. Let's go with that. I'm a little slow today, guys. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> maybe it's all the chemicals screwing with my brains. It could be. Um, could be. That, which is which you never know. Like I feel like we don't think about the chemical burden in this world enough. And like we talked about in a previous episode, Dave, we were talking about even just technology and EMFs and telephone wires and all the electricity and the pollution from that and how we create these products because it's part of the advancements of our civilization, but we don't really think about the long-term consequences or the immediate consequences. It's kind of like, we'll just make it and maybe we'll apologize later if we have to kind of feeling. And I feel like that's the same thing with regards to pollutions, chemicals, environmental toxins, molds, exposures, things like that. People are not always thinking about that when it comes mm-hmm. to the production of something, or they're not even aware that it's something they have to be aware of in the first place as a citizen. But so, do you know uh, who's thinking about it? Uh, I sure do. It's our next yeah. guest. <laughs> I feel like we're like a weird, like vaudeville team. Um, <laughs> But uh, today we have an amazing person, Dr. Marilea Yu. She's a naturopathic doctor. She graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She is certified in environmental medicine through Spirit Med and certified mold literate. That's a big deal these days, mold literate, and is an active member of the National Association of Environmental Medicine. Um, Outside of her office, she enjoys playing soccer, training in Brazilian martial arts called capoeira, knitting and reading, and I've seen your capoeira videos and they're bomb. Um, Thank you for coming on the show to talk to us about this like pretty huge topic that is a really big deal these days. So we're really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here because I think you are both great and uh, I just love this podcast. 
Thanks. We love it too. Well, we're trying to get the message out that people like you uh, know their stuff, right? And I was I, like we said just a little a little bit uh, before we start recording is that you need experts in lots of different areas. And uh, this is definitely one. I don't know, Michelle, how you feel, but I, I don't feel like an expert in environmental medicine. And uh, I'll just come out and say why I struggle with it is because I don't always know what to do about it. Mm. And, uh, you know, a common example would be maybe someone lives in a house with mold and it's like, well, here's my treatment plan. Um, bash down your house and move to a house that doesn't have it, but maybe has different VOCs because <laughs> it's a new build. It's a brand new house. <laughs> so that's, I, I don't know, like the that side of me just I go I go crazy because then I'm going to go down the, I'll try and go down the rabbit hole for that one person so um and then you end up not knowing enough so you know enough um maybe you could maybe you could give us a little bit of a story as to like why you got into this aspect of uh naturopathic medicine and uh and what and yeah just why you got into this area well um when I first graduated I had the opportunity to work with uh, Dr. Kropp um who's retired from medicine, really big in the environmental medicine um, sphere, did a lot of um, Lyme disease. Um, and so that kind of piqued my interest at that time. And um, I think for a long time, um, OAN, the OAND hadn't been offering the environmental medicine course. I think it went like on a hiatus for a little bit. So I didn't have the opportunity to take that course. But I, from observing his patients and just like talking to people, like some of the, some of our colleagues um, and mentors who have been in this for a long time and, you know, observing that health conditions have become more complicated, you know, yeah. as, as each year goes on. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, getting to the root cause, which is what a crazy know, idea, right? <laughs> what is that even? And realizing that, um, you know, the root cause doesn't involve um, the environment, what we are being exposed to, how that's affecting us and our ability to heal and manage, you know, any sort of health challenges, right? And then we're surrounded by so many things, like what are all these things, yeah. right? How do, how do we figure these things out, right? I think what that, was, what, sorry, oh, go on, Michelle. No, I think that's, I think that those are important questions to ask. And as Dave was saying earlier, it's really great to have you on the show because I don't think people stop to think about these things or stop to ask those questions or don't think about the lotion I'm putting on my body all the time and how it might be like a xenoestrogen or, you know, and, but why am I struggling with hormone issues or why, you know, and all those, all this burden on the system. And I don't think people even realize that there is somebody like you to help guide them, mm -hmm. which is I think a really big deal. People might start to realize that there's a chemical burden, but they don't realize that there are people who are trained to help you kind of like unpack that in a safe way that feels tangible. So um, I appreciate you taking the scope in your practice. Um, and and uh, yeah, I just, I think it's great. So I'm excited to hear more from you today. And it's overwhelming. Like it can, yeah. it can seem like overwhelming. That's another reason I'll I'll, I'll say I don't I don't focus on it because I find it overwhelming and and like I said I don't know always what to do. And there's so I, much stuff to consider. There's so much stuff to consider. Like you can I mean I just had a coffee out of a cup that's probably got it's got some lining on it on the inside, and you know it's probably contributing to some xenoestrogen whatever. I don't know. Like you're the expert. 
I, I just know that there's stuff constantly every, I do use like a natural soap and I, what, but there's so, you can look at everything you do almost every day yeah. and go, uh, where am I stepping wrong? And it's death by a million cuts as yeah. well. Right. So where do you, where do you focus Mare? Yeah. It feels like there's so much. So like, actually, why don't we start with like, can you give us some examples of like common exposures in people's lives so they can start to like put the piece of the puzzle together for yeah. themselves at home who's listening yeah so um well i'm like even even when like as as something to focus on it's still a very wide focus it's like where even for me it's like where do you even start yeah um but like just from our kitchen right it's like people um are still using teflon Mm -hmm. right um which has been shown to have a lot of detrimental effects right xenoestrogens um other sort of um, disruptive effects and development um skin products mm -hmm. right um i know like when i was in university um people would go out they'd get ready but and part of that ritual was just spraying the crap out of themselves with fragrance right yeah. mm -hmm. like it's it's not a party if there's no like axe all over the place right mm -hmm. right there was one time i uh, i knew my friend was in the building because i smelled his cologne i couldn't see where he was right it wasn't a big building but i knew he was in the building somewhere right so mm -hmm. yeah. just artificial fragrances um seafood Seafood? seafood 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 yeah are well, we thinking about like heavy metals with seafood is that why mm. yeah tuna uh pcbs like the large predator fish yeah um i get so down sometimes when we talk yeah. about environmental medicine because i'm like this is... fish fish is like arguably this i mean is... like i i could say fish is arguably like the most balanced sort of like it's mm. fairly easy on the stomach to digest um you know, it's, it's a, it's not a, I don't know, there's some fatty fish, but they're good fat and yeah. like fish would be healthy if they weren't so bloody toxic. Yeah. That's the thing I find out about this. Like you said, Dave, it's overwhelming. Cause you can start hmm. to like, feel like you're going to go literally mentally crazy trying to think about all the things you have to try yes. to avoid or be careful with. Um, and I've had people come in and be like, well, I've heard fish has this and I've heard rice has this and I've heard this. So what do I eat? And I was like, you just we just do the best we can. Like you can't starve yourself because that's not, that's, and yeah. you can't be stressed about every little thing. Cause that's not going to help you either. But, yeah. um, but anyways, go on. So, so we would, we talked about like kitchen products, like Teflon skincare mm -hmm. products, artificial fragrances, fish because of the possible heavy metals. And you said something about large predator fish. Yeah. Can you explain why those rather than like, like, so, so should people be choosing like smaller fish? Yeah. And like wild caught fish, like not farmed fish um i mean it's hard when you're in the when fish is farmed it still affects the other fish around it because they're they're penned mm -hmm. in like a like a fish net sort of thing they're being um you know they're they're being medicated because they're in such close quarters like they get sick really easily that medication it's not limited to that area of the water mm. so there are actual like real environment other environmental impacts on how Ooh. we affect our food sorry dave every time we go to um conferences we're just like we're like oh my gosh like it's so fascinating to see what's going on but you're also yeah. like 
really sad on the inside because yeah like, what are we doing yeah um but i'm really glad that people are looking for these things right because if we don't know that this is a problem no one's going to fight to make those changes because we don't right. know we have to right so that's that's what i get out of these like these are people who are um fighting for for a better tomorrow for us right so um and we also we learned like a lot of really interesting stuff on these conferences but i digress so back to the large fish mm -hmm. um but they will um bioaccumulate so they um like they will eat smaller fish and whatever the smaller fish have already in their system is concentrated um as you go up um, the, food the food chain. net yeah food yeah. chain food web um whatever and also a lot of these uh toxins that accumulate are fat soluble so they're very difficult to get rid of right. right so they tend to stick around and increase in concentration as the fish get bigger so like shark would be an awful fish to eat right even i don't know there's some places that will eat dolphin right where, where dolphin is part of their diet and um that's gonna have a lot of um heavy metals of PCBs, um, they're still finding DDT in a lot of, uh, no way. yeah. So what kind of small fish would you gravitate towards or what would you suggest? Um, it also, cause not all, not even, even with small fish, there's still, there's okay. still some exposures, but yeah, like, um, wild, um, wild caught, um, Pacific salmon. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's some like Alaskan trout. There's, um, I try to go for um, fish that are also sustainably uh, harvested right. or caught too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at those factors, so it'd be like even like the sardines. Yeah. Be okay. Good. And, but then also limiting fish intake too. Right. So, not but necessarily every day. The one you can yeah. eat instead. That's what I always tell people. Like when we, we avoid one thing for some uh, possible detrimental reason, I always say, well, what are you going to eat instead? Yeah. So I'm not a vegetarian. And um, when I am at home, I like to um, get locally sourced meat from around. I'm in Ontario. So around Ontario, um, grass fed, pastured meat. Mm -hmm. um, and also it's it's supportive of like you know the local yeah economy which is important to me too mm -hmm. so kind of like having this um being an environmentally like focused nd has kind of encouraged me to look both outward and internally it's like mm -hmm. okay like what can we do around us to ensure that we're we're um you know improving um the environment or not adding more uh you know to the issue and also what can we do for ourselves to make sure that you know we can also reduce our exposure that way yeah. mm -hmm. what what sort of people because i'm because this would be one of these sort of if i'm thinking of how i treat my people i'm thinking this is always like a background important thing no matter who i'm seeing like do you scrape your teflon with a sharp knife to you know what i mean like do you do you use fragrances every day? That's like, it's always background important to everyone. I want to know if you can, if you can tell me like, when, when do you really focus on environmental uh, medicine or like toxin exposure or maybe detoxification pathways? Like 
when do you like someone comes into you and you're like okay say they haven't it's different if someone hasn't pooed in a week or whatever you're gonna make them poo first probably i'd assume i hope so <laughs> i hope but like there's gonna be times when you're like no, no no like you are you are so exposed to so many things or there may be something specific in your case like what are those clinical um cases or situations where you're really really like you need environmental medicine approach Mm-hmm. As, as much as anything yeah um if they're in really really rough shape right if they're like if um a lot of the different heavy metals like they'll when you do the course with the the environmental uh, medicine um group that i'm with uh with dr patrick and uh, dr emery fine and um also like the late Dr. Crinian, uh, they would teach you like the different profiles of um, different toxicants, like the most common um, list of symptoms that you're most likely to see if this is part of the issue. Okay. Right? Can you give us, can you give us some of those? It's very, it's also quite generalized. So, cause you're looking at both exposure and symptoms, mm-hmm. right. right? So sometimes the exposure may not be um, immediately apparent. Uh, so I will go through um, a questionnaire with them, right? And there, there's even like things where um, you know that they are not uh, metabolizing certain things well. Like let's say they always, um, they're very sensitive to medication. Uh, they're very sensitive to caffeine, right? Um, they will get headaches if they're around any sort of fragrances, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes you'll ask them, okay, do you get a headache if you approach like, you know, the fragrance aisle, the, the, where all the cleaners are at and they'll be like, no. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then later on they'll come and be like, oh, I don't go in that area anymore because I would get really lightheaded. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So it's kind of trying to figure out, okay, what is the next question to ask? Because sometimes a lot of what you like, even just as naturopathic doctors, you know, we, we know what the next question would be for us. Like we, we know how to go into our own health history and be like, okay, well, when did that last happen? What was happening around that time? But with a lot of people who just kind of are not um, in that sort of frame of mind, not, you know, like they're not used to being like that um, or like hyper aware of their health, you have to figure out what else, you have to kind of get into their head. Okay, what is the next question to ask that will give me that, the right answer, but without leading them? Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a lot of trying to figure out, you know, people's behavior, right? And trying to, um, trying to make sense of that and how it, how it may or may not be relevant to what they're experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, can they detoxify well, right? Are they pooping, mm-hmm. right? Is there, is, um, are they re-exposing themselves? Are there parts of their um, occupation or hobbies that um, may be contributing to their issues, right? Mm -hmm. So here for us, for example, um, we're not really like compared to, let's say the States, we're not as big on guns, right? But um, when I'm talking to like colleagues in the States who are doing this course as well, um, a lot of people, they'll have really high lead levels because Mm. they're on the shooting range. They're in indoor shooting ranges, right? And that's like a hobby, a pastime that you like, we, we wouldn't necessarily think of, but I do have some friends who, um, you know, enjoy shooting, right? Yep. And also you kind of have to be aware culturally of what's, 
you know, what might be something that a lot of people in this area, you know, enjoy, right? And you basically have to know a lot about a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, and, I and guess that's what I was getting at. Like, you kind of have, you must have the biggest questionnaire of all time, because it's you know like, <laughs> go on. They managed to, uh, they managed to like kind of pare it down a little bit, but every now and then they're realizing new things and they'll add that. Yeah, only 500 uh, questions, guys. It's no big no, deal. It's, <laughs> it's fairly reasonable. Like that, that just kind of gives you a few starting points, right? Okay, mm -hmm. like, you know, um, if this is apparent, okay, what else might be an, might be an issue, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, like if they're a long haul, like if they drive a lot, um, what's the exhaust system like in their car? Mm. Is it a new car, right? Mm. Like, So that's what I mean. Like a lot of, you need a lot of, you have, you're asking a lot of questions in mm -hmm. uh, environmental medicine sort of focused questionnaire that maybe I wouldn't in my day-to-day -day, uh, practice. And uh, uh, it sounds like a lot of it's just like individualized, which is always important, but it also cumbersome, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it depends on what you do. You Like you said, it depends on like, it depends on what you do for work. It depends on uh, what you do for fun. It depends on uh, so many things, so many things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then also like, you know, looking into can people like genetics, right? Yeah. Do you, when do you look at, yeah, I was going to say the same thing as Michelle. Do you use a lot of genetic testing to, to um, help facilitate this? I like to, but mm -hmm. it also depends on the, on the patient, right? Got it. The cost can be prohibitive for some of mm -hmm. them. Um, usually I will, I, I like it because to me, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so if, you know, I'll, I'll turn to it when the patient is in very rough shape when they come in. Got it. Right. Because we need to figure out as much as possible in the shortest amount of time as possible. Yeah. Because I mean, we're all aware, like, you know, the, the, the rougher the shape they're in when they come in, the harder it is for us to get them to where we would like them, you know, like we, as in you and the patient would like them to be right. What other kind of testing would you use for this, for, for environmental exposure? Like, what are your kind of go-tos that you pick from? Uh, we do some heavy metal testing, uh, urine testing. Okay. And also, um, we can get some pretty good information just from um, blood, um, like looking at heavy metals in the blood. So, like, usually lead and... Um... Stop, I want to know more. <laughs> Mercury. Uh, blood, blood testing in the... Uh, for mercury and lead is that the main ones you do is, is there other ones that are available? um that's the ones that i like when it comes to heavy metals those are the ones that uh, we tend to look at um and they're good at showing like overall body burden or just whatever's in your sort of circulation so that's um that's most most of the time i look for that for like recent exposure okay um so a really interesting thing about lead is that it to our body, it kind of looks like calcium. So women in, yeah, so um, women of a certain age, because like now, you know, we're, we're not, um, our generation is not as exposed to like leaded um, gasoline or like the, the paint chips, right? The, mm -hmm. the, it still exists, but mm -hmm. uh, exposures, exposures is much less. Um, so lead can be incorporated into uh, bones. Mm. Right. So that's another reason why maintaining bone density as we get older 
is super important or being aware that, you know, uh, lead um, does that. And so if we see any sort of, um, you know, like lead toxicity symptoms in our um, elderly patients to, you know, to kind of look into that as a, like past exposure as an issue. Mm -hmm. Right. Can you decrease absorption uh, by increasing other like uh, cations, like taking in more magnesium or calcium or zinc, or does it, is that one of the treatments for like, cause you're going to have an equilibrium mm -hmm. there, right? You, mm -hmm. So the more you have of the good, the, the bad stuff, not get absorbed yeah, just in as much. Displace that. Yeah. And also, you know, you, you may have to work with medical doctors in terms of uh, cause, uh, like if you, if you have to chelate someone, mm. right. Looking into that. So having, um, being able to access that is important. Um, oh yeah, I know uh, Dave was saying that uh, I'm, I'm saying rough shape when patients come in in rough shape a lot, which doesn't really give you much information. Um, if they're like, you know, very tired, they're like um, very brain foggy and just aches and pains. Um, like I guess like a, a toxic kind of a picture mm -hmm. where they're very sensitive to a lot of things, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, um, and you're assessing them and um, you know, that they, they react to everything, right? And mm. it's, you know, they're, they're, they're out for several days at a time after exposure, right? right? Or their response to exposures is fairly severe, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, um, dizziness, hives, um, some people get pain, some people get mood changes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, going back to further testing. So we touched on heavy metal testing because I just want to, I'm curious to know what kind of mm -hmm. things you gravitate towards. Um, uh, heavy metal testing, urine, sometimes blood. What mm -hmm. other kind of tests do you, do you use to investigate toxic burden on people? Um, organic acid testing can give us some information mm. too. Um, I'll also look at um, regular tests like vitamin D, B12, mm -hmm. right? Just, just related what do they to tell other, you? Yeah. Um, well, uh, nutritional status, if also if, you know, people are getting enough sunlight, um, if there are sort of like, in, if, if you're looking at a very inflamed um, patient, right? Because mm. I know like we like to... Um, supplement with vitamin D, which seems to be helpful, but also trying to get them in actual sunlight. Yeah. But you mean uh, vitamin D is not the exact same thing as sunlight? What? <laughs> it seems to be, yeah, there's two seems Wild to be Wild notion, you guys. I know. Crazy. Well, they called it the sunshine vitamin, which is kind of cute or whatever. Yeah, but, to but, some degree. Yeah. If but you misleading. Yeah, it is misleading because then people are like, I'm a sloth, I'm a sunscreen and I'm going to be indoors all day and wear sunglasses, but I yeah. got my sunshine vitamin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world, this world with its quick fixes, eh? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Marilea, there's, there's some things you said, they just sound like so many of our patients when you said uh, uh, tired, brain fog, uh, mm -hmm. sore. Hmm. You know, like those are, those are just such, such common uh, common presentations. And I think that's the people we end up getting as naturopaths because we're last in the line usually, right? Yeah. Least conventional and uh, it costs money. So 
Um, wh- one thing I wanted to ask is just because I'm always uh, I'm always devil's advocate. That's how I think, and I'm I'm trying to do things like I talk about like time, energy, money as resources that we have to be sort of aware of. Some people have limitations of one, two, or all of these things. Um, one I'm always cognizant of is trying to be aware of testing money, like mm-hmm. money that goes to testing. Yeah. So how how wrong would I be in terms of like, say a start starting off uh, as a person who's not an expert in environmental medicine, but it, I really appreciate its importance. Um, what if what if we looked at someone's like ability to detox and, and we said like, let's just make sure your liver's doing what it's supposed to do, your gallbladder is doing what it's supposed to do, your colon is working. Um, and look for signs of like ability to detoxify of these organs. Would that be like, uh, is that too non-specific for someone who's like an expert in this? Or do you, do you see any problem in starting off like that? No, not at all. Um, I think that's important because if, if our goal at some point is to promote further detoxification, um, you're going to want to make sure those things are working. You mm-hmm. Well, just for optimal health, you want to make sure those things are working, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily need to order expensive tests to determine that those things are not working, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, you know, um, you're both um, experts in digestive health, right? And you know when things are, should be moving along a little bit better. Um, like, for me, um, that detoxification support so I know every a lot of people are like, okay, you have a liver, you have kidneys, that's it, you're good to go. And actually, no, you know, that's that's great. You're you're being kept alive. Yeah. Right. Your body prioritizes um, life above all else, not optimal function. Yeah. Right. And we're in, in an environment that um, is not great for optimal function, but clearly we're still able to make it. Right. And okay. And and it's not that bad. Like we're not quite at, we're like all barely functioning, but um, the environment that a lot of us exist in, not just like from a chemical standpoint, but just like, you know, stressors and things like that, it's, it's not great for optimal function. So that Mm -hmm. also affects the way that our body does things. Right. So we have to look at that part too. Um, Mm. And then eventually once we get to the point where those things are working well enough, then we can work on optimizing, getting rid of the stuff that your body has not been able to get rid of before and is just holding on to um, because it can't do anything with it. It doesn't want to release them because that would be really bad for you, right? Why? Um, Can you explain that a little bit? um, Basically, like, you know, auto-intoxication where you are um, retoxifying yourself, right? So um, there are a lot of... um, toxicants in our environment that are fat soluble that are very difficult to get rid of but it seems um, you know there are some studies showing that we can get rid of them right Mm -hmm. Uh, your body will get rid of them when people are in a very toxic state the ability to eliminate toxins is impaired Mm -hmm. so if we try to push that which we can do we can push the cells to move things out where is it going to go yeah Mm -hmm. right and that's that's how we can make people feel worse yeah. Right. So, you know, I will make sure that their digestion is working well. I do like to do drainage remedies, right? Because they they typically are very gentle or I will modify the dose so that it doesn't overwhelm the patient. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because, you know, I do deal with patients where, um, you know, like a quarter of the dose is potentially too much for them. We have to mm-hmm. start really slow. It's wild, right? those clients. That's where the drainage remedies, I find those are helpful too. Because you can be like, just go down to one drop. Yeah. Let's just start there. Yeah. <laughs> See how you feel, right? Yeah. 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 And like knowing, you know, um, what order to do things in too. Right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, we can detoxify people. We just have to make sure, like we can, if we detoxify them without making sure that they can get rid of stuff, we're just going to make things much, much, they're going to feel really bad. Mm-hmm. They're going to hate you. They're going to be very unhappy with you. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. yeah. Listen to you blasphemous NDs using detoxification drainage remedies. Oh my God. I know it's, you know, how dare we, I know yeah. not I know. backed by science guys. I'm into them too. They're cool. Um, it's just, uh, how do you, how do you guys think they're working just off, off the cuff? How do you think they're working? And if people don't know what we're talking about, I guess we're talking about highly, highly diluted substances, uh, dare I say homeopathics that can, uh, initiate some sort of, uh, response in the body. What do you mean? How do you think they're working? Oh, like just, on a mechanical level? Just as whatever. I, I just want to know how you guys think they work. You can be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Well, the way that I... Because <laughs> I don't know either, it, by the way. Yeah. So. Thanks oh, for putting okay, us on the spot, fine. Dave. You get to answer this question well, you had, too. <laughs> you got you to gotta do that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that I explain it to patients is that it just kind of gently reminds their body how things should be processed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle, um, when I use the drainage remedies, I'm usually yeah. just kind of, I'm putting it into the sense of, it's just opening things up again so that things are going in the right direction. They're not being coming out of the skin. They're being led through like the liver, the kidneys, the things like that. It's just allowing those organs to just be, be open to the idea of detoxifying again. It's kind of like mm-hmm. cracking the door open a little bit so things can start to move. Because mm-hmm. if, if things are really shut down and the cells have just not been working optimally for a long time, you go in there with like heavy detox herbs, mm-hmm. you might cause more th- more harm than good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to crack that door open first. And I find that that's, that's where the drain, rain, drainage remedies, I find they come in. They just kind of like begin to open the door and like allow things to mobilize in a gentle way. And then a lot, I, what I find is interesting is a lot of people are like, I don't know if they felt anything because they're expecting the detox. Yeah reactions of a detox kit that they go and buy a two week detox white rose, something that makes you crap your pants. And so Mm -hmm. you feel like you've lost your bloating and you feel great. Um, and I'm like, that's not what these are. So just for anybody listening, that's not necessarily the effect you're going to get. Although I've had people feel like I feel lighter. I don't feel as bloated. I feel like Mm -hmm. my digestion's working a little bit better. My poops are better. You know, they just don't feel so like inflamed sometimes when you add in the detox kit, that's kind of just the feedback that I've gotten. Yeah. I, and I tell my patients when I do that with them is like, ideally, you shouldn't feel too much. Like mm-hmm. there should not be a huge dramatic, like that would be great if it would be a dramatic change in like, and everything all of a sudden is amazing. Yeah. But usually if it's a dramatic response, that's not the direction it moves in. Right. So yeah. ideally there shouldn't be any sort of dramatic response to it, yeah. but they should feel better Yeah. yeah in whatever way you know, that happens to come out because it's hard to predict what that will look like for the patient. Right. Yeah. I know everyone's like, how long will it take? How will I feel? I'm like, that's a great question. I've only had one appointment with you. I don't even know how your body responds to things yet. So but that's why it's hard as I think as a naturopath or a patient of 
of naturopaths too is sometimes you don't know exactly how all these things are going to work um yeah. and and how it's going to look in each person but i used to use them more i liked i like um i well you guys probably know i like using homeopathics is as reliably as i can mm-hmm. uh, i think i think they're just information for the body yeah. if i could just like the, what i I'll shave away what i don't know and say what i do know is it's it's some sort of information for the body because when they work they work fast like i have some that i i keep at my desk and if someone's got like stomach heartburn symptoms or whatever i make them try them they take this now you'll know it in like three minutes if it's doing something they're fast they're not working pharmacologically it's not like that's getting in the bloodstream hitting a receptor starting a second messenger g protein coupled you know amplification cascade no it's it's on a different level but yeah it's a very different level but it's a part of who what makes everything in this world right it's like that without getting super weird on people but like we're not necessarily just physical matter to the sense that we think it is and homeopathy works on that level that is what physics describes like energy can't be created destroyed just transferred and there's that shift in frequency and things that provides that information to help people shift into a better state right um and i think i can't i can't talk about that enough with clients to be like we can't forget that that's a part of who we are (laughs) yeah Yeah. sorry i didn't deep part of our existence right so um that's where the drainage remedies work and i think it's really beautiful because it's not aggressive either it's like a nice gentle yeah. shift for people. I know I'm, I talk about homeopathy probably too much. I didn't want to take us down that road too much. Okay. But I, I'll, we'll bring us back and just say, it's one, conversations. Of the, it's, <laughs> it's one of the tools, it's one of the tools you use, Mary. And um, yeah. what are, what are some of, some of the other tools that you're using in terms of like treatment? Yeah. And interventions. Yeah. So um, trying to figure out what they're being exposed to and avoidance. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, you know, the late, and that makes the most sense, I guess, based on what you were saying, like if, if someone's already toxic and if you start to like move too much toxic burden, they might feel ill. Right. So I guess the, to me, again, you're the expert. I would think the most logical thing would be to decrease whatever is the most obvious exposure Mm -hmm. first support sort of general detoxification before you get too, uh, deep. Is that sort of the idea? Yeah. 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 And, you know, we're always going to have exposures. There's no way of, you know, stopping that unless we all put ourselves into like our own little bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not possible. Um, mm-hmm. So avoid possible, it. Not, probably not a really great life. <laughs> no, no, mm-hmm. not at all. Um, and then, yeah, avoidance is the biggest thing. Um, so trying to figure out where that's coming from. If it is mold in the home, get it first of all getting them to assess properly so that you know for sure yes or no because that's Mm -hmm. really important because you're going to live there or if it's Mm -hmm. a workplace um you know exposure um i i'll do um i'll I'll test people for food sensitivities a lot too Mm um and uh i like to use iv therapy So um, glutathione as well, um, if people can handle it, because sometimes people can't manage it right away. Mm. So we try to work around that. Like, I think most people can probably benefit from a bit of glutathione every now and then, but there are some people who don't tolerate it because it moves too much too quickly. 
Can you mm-hmm. speak to like the benefits of glutathione really quickly to our audience for those who don't um, know what that is? Yeah, so it's like the antioxidant uh, molecule um, found um, in high concentrations in the, the liver, uh, the lungs, and the brain. Um, protective. Um, because like if you think about it, um, the liver is like the detoxifying organ. Um, our lungs are exposed to whatever we're breathing. Mm-hmm. So we need some uh, protection there. And our brain is super important. Also yeah. needs lots of protection, lots kind of activity of going, right? Lots of activity going on there. So you want to make sure that there are, um, you know, important antioxidants present there. So mm-hmm. it's not the only antioxidant, mm-hmm. which is great because for me personally, my body does not make it very well. Mm. So, um, but clearly I'm still here. Yeah. So there are workarounds to glutathione. Um, and it's really great to help people um, with detoxifying. So especially if there are people who are exposed to heavy metals, mercury um, mm. actually uh, will eat up two glutathione molecules and will never let them go. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing, like if, if there has been like mercury exposure, uh, also, we have to look at what where that mercury is coming from, okay. and uh, you, so your body will make it on its own. But uh, I think with a lot that's like the factors like environmental exposure, plus stress, plus how well our body like getting the nutrients in, yeah, making sure enzymes are working effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are actually depleted in glutathione could benefit from you know talking to someone about it. And then seeing if, you know, like not, obviously not, do not go out and glutathione yourself, right? Because um, like I said, that can cause issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but Is red blood uh, cell glutathione, is that, is that, isn't that one of the one tests of the we, way. yeah. So what do you, so can you give us, like, do you use that test? I and haven't if done so, it very much. Okay. Um, it'd be interesting to um do on more people but a lot of times um i'll just provide some glutathione with the iv like mm-hmm. if, if people really want to know um it's not necessarily going to change my treatment so that's mm-hmm. not uh, that's why i wouldn't necessarily order the test especially when we're looking at you know resources mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and red blood cell selenium any do you test that at all too red blood cell selenium um, i haven't done that a lot okay. but yeah, like you can test selenium and zinc. Um, I haven't done a lot of it because if we're looking at other things too, like let's say um, thyroid is part of the picture, right? Um, we may provide selenium and zinc anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, oh yeah, so IVs. Okay. Um, colon hydrotherapy. Yes. Great one. Yes. In the colon. Yeah, yeah, you know, get that gallbladder stimulated, get that, you know, liver and gallbladder <clears throat> a little bit. Question, because of my own experience. <laughs> um, do you recommend things like coffee enemas? Because coffee enemas can naturally increase glutathione production mm. by like 600%. A lot of people yeah. don't want to do that though. So I get people being like, if you send me to colon hydrotherapist, do they do the coffee enemas there? And I've I've never actually looked into that. Do, do you know, or do you implement coffee Ours enemas? Ours doesn't. Um, <laughs> I haven't worked with coffee enemas too much um, no. yet, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard good things like that. So it's another thing that I'm looking into. Mm-hmm. Um, no. it, it sounds like, you know, to people, um, 
I said, they're like, you want me to put the coffee where? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I just tried it in my mouth. I just try to have so much coffee in my mouth to see if it works. It does. Yeah. It's not the same. Yet. It's not quite the same effect, guys. <laughs> not right, quite the same. That would be great if it was. That would be oh great. my god uh no, no no but coffee enemas are coffee enemas are super cool you know mm-hmm. they're, they're 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 nice little for lack of better words back end way of getting the same yep. really good response yeah Merle, <laughs> yeah. are you doing are you recommending colon hydrotherapy for most people if if they're like i've i've had it i've had it i hated it and really? I oh, I hated it. I haven't had it done yet. Funny enough, even though I'm all about the pooper, oh, I have not I'll actually talk. had a colon. I'll but talk. I've, done, I've done coffee enemas though. So, hey, voila. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah I've had a few people. done. Um, didn't mind them. I mean, it, okay. it depends on your, I think it, it also depends. We have a really great colon hydrotherapist who's super friendly and. Um, you got to be the right person in. to be a, a colon so. hydrotherapist. Yep. Yeah, like when you're dealing with that area, you have uh, to yeah. like make it as not like it's to me, it's it's just another procedure, right? right. Like it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Um, so I remember, like at the office, obviously pre-pandemic, um, I'd be doing, I'd be out doing IVs for patients and stuff, and then in the colon hydrotherapy room, I'd hear like laughing and joking, and I'm like, they're having way more fun than we are out here. Right, yeah. which is I love and, it. Every, yeah, yeah, and like, um, I think the person makes it a pleasant experience too, right? Because it, it's not on its own, it's not really something you want to be doing frequently, right? Yeah. Like, at all, right? No judgment if you're into it, it's cool. I, I just think yeah. it's like pelvic floor physio. Like, I know in our, in our area, there's a couple of pelvic floor physio therapists, and they're amazing, and mm-hmm. they're like, they're clinical, they're fun. Uh, when you when you're with them, you just feel like you're hanging out kind of, but they're also doing like rectal and vaginal exams all day. And it's just, they're just the right people for it. So I I found the same thing with the the colon hydrotherapist I went to. She was just, she was the right person for it. It's an interesting The client is put in a very vulnerable type of like, you feel very vulnerable when you're exposed that way and you need to have the right temperament to, uh, for for the clinician to be working with you a hundred percent. Even people who have to, I asked them to do coffee enemas and they look at me and I was like, I get it. You're going to feel very exposed and very vulnerable, but you're just going to be by yourself in the bathroom. It's going to be okay. And people already have a lot of weirdness about that. And it's not, there's not a second person in the room. So you got, you got to make the environment as chill as possible. Yeah. 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 What so, other, <clears throat> sorry. What? Yeah. What other he, kinds he of things? He was asking you... how often, like, I would mm-hmm. recommend it. it. It depends, right? Like, um, <clears throat> if someone is constipated and there are no other contraindications, then it could be something that we would start with because we want to get that. First of all, move whatever is not moving. Yeah. Um, out of there, but also, obviously, um, managing other other parts of that digestive issues, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the whole like preparing to really do the work right that's mm-hmm. kind of like the pre-work right mm-hmm. right um and it's not there are some people where okay like you know that they would really benefit from it um and there are some people who, who would benefit from it but it's not necessarily um you know the first thing that we would recommend or mm-hmm. something that needs to be like absolutely needs to be part of their a, a good treatment plan for them mm-hmm. right okay what else? Uh, so actually quick question. I don't know. Did we answer this already? Um, 
the purpose of the colon hydrotherapy is basically just to improve the detoxification of liver, gallbladder and clearing out the colon, right? Is there anything beyond that, that you're using for helping their body work through the chemicals and the pollutants that you're trying to get rid of? Is that really just the prime purpose of it? Um, that's yeah. For the most okay. part. Um, oh yeah. Sauna, sauna treatments mm-hmm. as well. Okay, cool. Right? Yeah. So, cause we can get rid of some things through our sweat. Mm-hmm. And also just to get our metabolic rate up. And what's really great um, is that um, if someone can tolerate a sauna, but they're not able to exercise, you can actually get their metabolic rate up. Yeah, cool. But to a, like a comparable degree. Nice. Right? Which is great. Nice. How frequently would you recommend like the sauna kind of part? Is it is it individualized? Yeah. Or is there a general it role? Okay. Um, it, it depends on what people can do. If, if they like how often they have access to a sauna. That's true. Right. Um, yeah. For some people, just sweating in like a hot room can be useful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are some um, environmental centers in the States where people will come in and they will do a protocol that involves like, you know, a sauna, colon hydrotherapy, IV, like two or three times a week. And they're there for a period of time. It's quite intensive. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, that's not something that um, is fairly common up here. Okay. So also, you know, people have people, a lot of times people still have their other lives outside of managing their health conditions that, you know, we have to try to work with as much as possible. Yeah. Tell yeah. me what are, what are some of the, like the, the challenges that you would come up with dealing with environmental medicine or environmental exposures when it comes to working with someone? So in some cases, um, like trying to um, get, first of all, like be compliant with a lot of the recommendations, even the avoidance stuff, right? Like if you go through the typical person's like day-to-day and you look at what products they're using, most of that should actually be like, they shouldn't have been using that. They, they need to replace it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, trying to communicate the importance of these small changes Mm-hmm. Right. Especially when you're working with like endocrine disruptors, right? You, we all know you don't need very much of it before it becomes a problem coupled mm-hmm. with, you know, um, impaired detoxification, right? Yeah. Trying, trying to communicate that idea to them. Um, Cause then now you have to like overhaul your life. Right. Right. Yeah. So that, that's, that can be a huge challenge. So a lot Especially of Especially if you're tired, right? That's, yeah. and that always creeps in for me too. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I always tell people you'll do better if you're not tired. And the financial like, aspect, they're like, but I just bought a new body butter. I just bought a new this. And they're like, yeah. now you're telling me I got to go, right? Like I understand mm-hmm. that side of things. That's, I get some of that pushback too. Yeah. What is body butter? Just a moisturizer. It's just a fancy moisturizer. Butter. It's usually made with shea butter in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah. like fluffy. Yeah. I don't like whipped. Yeah. It's like it's I love food. butter. Why it's, haven't I done this? It's quite yeah. nice. Butter me like, up. Yeah. Yeah. Next like, time we see Davey's just like fully greasy because yeah. he just like put butter all over his I body. Love, <laughs> like not that kind, Dave. I love, no. but as long as you use grass fed, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's organic and grass fed. Yeah. And yeah. humanely raised. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And then like if it's you know, they're the, if it's a mold issue, oh yeah, right. Trying to oh, figure mold. that out, and then there are some um, people who will try to remediate themselves, like their homes themselves, um, and they don't have the equipment to do it properly, so they're just re-exposing 
themselves mm. in already in a, in a compromised state, right? Like trying to, because um, it is expensive to remediate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, and to do it properly. Yeah. Right, and to some people who don't um, really understand what's going on, it can seem excessive. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and there's you a better lot be of- sure it's the problem, right? If you're yeah. gonna also that right yeah Yeah. so um that um i think sorry just i think on the hard part of that too is that removing the exposure might not even create as much of a shift as people want because we stop to consider the fact that if their detoxification pathways are compromised then internally they still have to get rid of that exposure too so getting rid of the external exposure might not give them enough of a shift until all the other steps are in place. So sometimes they're like, well, I just spent all this money. I got rid of this, but you haven't really finished the whole protocol. So I just want to yes. put that out that to our, our listeners that if you're going through something like this, like stay the course, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it's yeah. a commitment, you got to stay the course. And yeah. some people might be all right in the same home. I think I have a guy who's got a really bad rheumatoid and a super healthy guy. Like um, he does everything. Like he, he's like a living biohack guy and he's, he's chiseled. He's, he's just like, he's, he does like Wim Hof stuff. He does sauna. Yes, he does like yin yoga in the morning. He, he does like all this stuff and he, but he's still got this, you know, brutal sort of uh, rheumatoid stuff that happens. His wife feels nothing, nothing. And he's got mold in this home. Sorry that I should say like, there's definitely mold in his place and it's better when he leaves. So he goes on a holiday, he comes back, it's back to, you know, mm. mold reality, but his wife is totally fine. You yeah. know? So he's obviously got some sort of like toxic burden that, is uh, contributing to a low resilience or something yeah and another challenge for people who are who are sensitive who do get sick while other and and then people around them do not experience the same symptoms yeah so support for them can be very challenging right you don't see it right yeah right um and a lot of times like genetically that's that's usually where the issue might be Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, it's something to look into, but, um, yeah, getting the support, especially for people who are um, very sensitive. Please don't try to clean your own mold. Oh Do my it God. correctly. Like Do this not. is a PSA for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's something that you want to hire experts for. for Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find like air filters or any kind of like those kinds of things are, are they helpful? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I live in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of mid downtown, so I'm close to major, um, major streets. So I usually will sometimes it and on the ground floor. So I will keep my windows open and I have an air filter. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like in, in especially if you live in in the city, close to um, major highways or major yes. just even major roads right? Especially if cars are like slowly driving by because of traffic, right? You're going to want to look at that as, as, uh, as uh, something to, to get like a, an air filter of sorts. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes people will get like the allergy symptoms, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes they won't, but it's still a good idea to um, get ahead of that, right? Because another thing with what everything that's going on, we don't know when you know that straw that's going to break the camel's back yeah. is going to come along yeah mm-hmm. right like i don't i try not to be all doom and gloom and just try to like get ahead of everything in a very yeah. cheerful positive way like you know this is 
Um, but that's another challenge for people, like the overwhelm. Yeah. There is a lot that we can do. Um, and with a lot that we can do, it's also hard because um, there's a lot that's being done to us that there's not much that we can do about at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you were saying, the technology, the new things, the, uh, you know, the effects of things that they're not telling us about yet until it becomes too big to ignore. Like right. a lot of that has happened, right? Like if yeah. you're looking at uh, some of the high profile environmental like contamination cases, like Aaron Brockovich, like there's a few cases also in Canada where, you know, there, there was a, a spill of chemicals of some kind. And um, if the area is fairly remote, not very hugely populated or just, you know, a, a population of people that uh, tend to be ignored, it can go on for a while. Right, but eventually, that also trickles into the environment of everyone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there's this whole part of environmental medicine that has to do with like industry standards and like um, you know how we take care of all our people. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's just this whole other aspect of it, which um, is another thing that. And it's worse here in about. North America. Apparently, like we had. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, she was a she was an engineer from uh, Waterloo. Emma Green at home. What's her name? Oh yeah, um, yeah yeah Emma. Yeah oh, yeah we had we had her on the podcast. She was great. She oh, she she said um, yeah, I think in Europe they do this. <laughs> she, she did they do this thing where it's like a little bit more uh, pre preventative. They're kind of looking at yeah. the likelihood of problems before. Uh, regulatory uh, sort of approval, whereas here we're like, here, yes, uh, business looks great, and then, and if if people end up getting like, you know, end- endocrine dependent cancers from it, then we say after, oh, oops, yeah. um, we'll deal with. I guess we'll deal with this now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Emma, Emma Roman, right? I think that's her. That's her. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, they have a very different approach in Europe. Like there are so many chemicals, we have thousands of chemicals that just kind of breeze by, breeze through, you know, um, testing standards, whatever. And that's not the case in Europe. Like it's like guilty until proven innocent in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're even here, the FDA allows a lot of junk in our products. They're just like, it's FDA approved. And I was like, that's still not good for your body. You know? And I was like, what is this regulatory board for if you're still allowing toxin exposure? Yeah. And then when people, and then people look in, like, you know, you look into what they don't need to declare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're like, oh, fragrances. Mm -hmm. You don't need to declare what's actually. That's crazy. Or like, you know, scent free is not necessarily fragrance free. You're just that's like, it. that's incredibly misleading. How are people supposed to stay on top of this? Labeling is wild. Free? Yeah, we were, we're just starting to like finally publicly talk about the fact that there's carcinogens in sunscreen. Like, yeah. how does this just start to come into like the sphere of people's consciousness, yeah. right? And endocrine disruptors and stuff. And they're finally yeah. starting to do things about that. But like, how long have we been pumping sunscreen on ourselves for like decades now yeah. thinking it was harmless? So yeah. just like another example, yeah. I mean, it can, it, it, it totally can get overwhelming, but I, I, I hold hope that there are people like yourself um, and other environmentally focused Physicians, Warriors, thank you. Medical doctors who are out there to try to like 
lead the way when it comes to helping people one-on-one. And then there are also warriors out there who are trying to do things on that bigger scale that we as citizens aren't always aware of. So thank God for people who are fighting for these things as, as this world has continued to spiral on a chemical burden, chemical soup, at least we have you guys there to like help us try to like throw us a life jacket through this. <laughs> and Mary, you're helping, you're helping other naturopaths, yeah. right? I am. Yeah. 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 I know. So like you maybe said, just a quick, it's just, quick plug on what you're doing with that yes please too. yeah so um i've had a couple of colleagues kind of you know ask me um about environmental medicine and like if they have some patients who they're just puzzled with right so um i've started offering uh consults for um my colleagues to kind of nice. go through certain you know what what parts might be environmentally um related environmental exposures Awesome. And then we can go through that, see what other um, assessments we need to do, and then you know talk about a treatment plan that um, either I can help with, or you know if if it's uh, if they're good with it, then it might be something that they can observe, um, you know, on their own, right? Like mm-hmm. the the ND can do that. So that's awesome. something that I'm offering. Just so how do, how do people get a hold of you for that? Like if there's a naturopath who wants to have a consult, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, uh, yeah, they can uh, contact me at uh, the EnviroMed Clinic, so that's mm-hmm. in Toronto, and then we can just book um, a consult there, okay. and then I'll send them, you know, the the material that they need to have their patient fill out, mm-hmm. yeah, and then um, material for them to fill out, so I know what's going on and what you know they're looking to work with, and mm-hmm. then um, I can uh, book a consult with. Uh, them and actually talk to them about what's going on. And awesome. then if I need to see the patient, then we can do that as well. We can put that link um, into the podcast right up and to the bio. Yeah. Um, but you also have something for just the general public as well. And it's called non-toxic kitchen guide to, to help people reduce their toxic um, exposure in the kitchen. So that's something that we will make accessible in the link so that anybody who wants to start to change around the environment in the kitchen to create a cleaner environment for their, to lessen their exposures, um, we'll make sure that we put uh, your guide up in the link as well, mm-hmm. or a link yeah, for the guide you. in our bio. Jeez Louise, you know what I meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the program and helping us understand and maybe helping our audience realize that there are, there's, we need to start thinking about things, being a bit more proactive about these things. And yes, it can feel overwhelming, but you can just start with one thing. Like maybe you just start with the non-toxic kitchen guide first, start changing around your kitchen, slowly make some changes and reduce the toxic burden in your environment. And I, I appreciate you coming on the show to help our audience start to take the steps they need to improve their, improve their environment, their sense of well-being. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. Thank you. It's always, it's always fun chatting with you too. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mary. I miss I, you. <laughs> uh, no, you learned. You learned me. I always, always, I like these. Uh, I like these because, from selfish perspective, I, I always learn something from um, you, subject matter experts, and and just go along with what Michelle says. Thanks for doing this, uh, this work with environmental medicine because um, I don't, I don't think. Uh, uh, I I don't I don't think we're good enough uh, as individuals unless we ex we we sort of collaborate in our expertise to to do these things properly. So um, yeah, thanks for doing that hard work. Yeah, thank you. That naturopathic podcast, TNP. Hello there.
Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.